You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole here on Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday, and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic episode coming up for you tonight. We have Dr. Rita Louise with us. Dr. Rita Louise is the founder of the Institute of Applied Energetics and former host of the Just Energy Radio. Uh, she is the author of the books, The Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and Narcissist. We might get to that one as well. Uh, <laughs> Stepping Out of Eden, ET Chronicles, What Myth and Legend Have to Say About Human Origin, Avoiding the Cosmic uh, Two by Four, Dark Angels, and Insider's Guide to Ghosts. Rita, you have a lot of books here. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, I, I totally get it. I've got some <laughs> minded people who just read them off. Um, but uh, Dr. Rita has appeared on film, radio, television, and has spoken at conferences around the world covering topics such as health and healing, relationships, ghosts, intuition, ancient mysteries, and the paranormal. Uh, and also, you know, one of one of my favorite shows uh, on Gaia TV, Ancient Civilizations. So we'll, we might talk about that a little bit as well. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Rita, thank you for joining us tonight. Happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I I don't know why we have not connected so much <laughs> further back in the past that it was like, huh, that's weird. Right. But, now. <laughs> yeah, here we go. We're finally connecting. I know. And uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, there was a, a conference years ago in Jefferson, Texas, that I, that I know we met. Mm -hmm. um, and it's probably where, you know, we originally connected on, on Facebook and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, and that was, well, we won't say how long ago it was. It was eons ago. <laughs> and here we finally are. So this is wonderful. We're finally getting a chance to chat. So, um, so we do want to talk about, um, I see some people are already down in the chat. There's Alina, Diane Hilbert, our, uh, Hunter Road Media Fairy Queen is on this evening. So great to see you, Diane. Uh, so here is the, the new book, your latest, bring this up here. Dang, it was me all along. Cultivate happiness through mindful awareness. So we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the pursuit of happiness this evening which uh, is a uh, uh, to me a very uh fantastic topic because um you know, at least for me i think a lot of it comes down to to mindset and, and perspective uh i have i honestly i have not read the book uh yet but uh rita tell us about this book and, and what you put in here so i think i'll start with the origin of the book since you mentioned my last book or the book before this, which was The Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and Narcissist. And I wrote the book because I was researching my own not healthy relationships. And by the time I was done, I thought I had discovered all the secrets to bad relationship styles and had healed myself and would never get involved in another toxic situation. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I didn't learn everything. Yeah, isn't that always and, the case? <laughs> you know, so another relationship goes by and I find myself back in this same situation, except this time it shifted. I knew what red flags were. I knew all of this stuff. And so when it really came down to it, what was the common denominator in all of this? Me. And, <laughs> and at the time really all I wanted in life was to be happy because I was miserable. And 
wasn't really sure if that was something that you could pursue, if that was something that you could create in your life and, and actually have. And once I discovered that it was something you can create and that you can nurture, I was all about it. So I started down yet another one of my rabbit holes and started to dig into this topic to understand what that is and what we can do in order to have it in our lives. And I'm going to just put this caveat out right up front is that in writing this book and in doing all of this research, I feel like I have transformed my life. You know, I want to say 180 degrees, you know, maybe it's like 160 degrees because we always have a certain amount of work that we need to do on ourselves, but it is so much different and I am happier and I'm content like every day. And even when adversity strikes, I might have a day or two where I'm upset, but it doesn't take forever to get back into that content, feeling safe place again, which to me is like a freaking miracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, without without giving too much of the book away, because we do want people to buy it. And I put a link down in the description to Dr. Rita's site. So you'll go there and, uh, of course, purchase the book. And and this is available on on. Amazon, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's in an ebook yeah. form. So yeah. yeah, fantastic. So, you know, be sure to go uh, check the book or check out the book and get it. But without giving too much away, what's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to sound like, okay, yeah. Um, it's about paying attention to what's going on on the inside. There are so many of us that walk around and live on autopilot and we just assume this is who we are. You know, something happens, we have an emotional reaction to it, and then we get caught up in our own cycles of worry and anxiety and, and our own programming, and we don't really know what to do to escape it. And so the secret is, is to stop and slow it down and get in the present moment so that you can look at what's going on and perhaps make different choices, make healthier choice, make take the time to reflect on what's going on and do what's going to make you happy, not necessarily the other person, but you happy. And it sounds like, okay, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> now she's just saying, yeah, right. And, and I have to tell you the whole process was super simple, super simple, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, there'll be nasty letters on this one, but I kind of liken it to dieting, you know, dieting is simple. You don't eat. That's dieting, you know, and you can choose to eat or choose not to eat. And you can choose to slow down and become more aware of what's going on inside or not. And so the more time you spend being aware of what's going on inside, the more you move through this process. Yeah, and, and I like a lot of that because, um, yeah, when, when you're, at least for me in my experiences, I, I think a lot of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think a lot of this comes from, um, you know, the wisdom you gain over the years of making mistakes. But, you know, I, I know in my past relationships. I did a lot to try to appease the other person, appease the other person, appease the other, other person, thinking that that would eventually bring me happiness. And it was, it, there was still all that turmoil anyway, even though I was trying to, you know, put all of that, you know, effort into, is that basically, you know, what you're, what you're talking about here? So the entire book, except for one chapter section, just talks about you and okay. what's going on with you but we can't live on the top of a mountain by ourselves and eventually we're going to have to interact with other people and and have relationships with them whether they're romantic or not you know and so it gives tools to identify when your energy is shifting you know so kind of in a nutshell and you know i'm hoping the listeners can understand this when our energy, when we're in a high vibration, when we're in a feel good vibration, 
our energy is high and we don't have negative thinking. And so we can be happy. And when our vibration drops, that's when the negative thoughts come in. And so with regard to relationships, if you're with someone and your vibration is high and you feel whole and you feel connected and whatever, that's a good, healthy relationship. But if you're with someone and you consistently find that your energy is being diminished and you're going down that hill, that's when you have to stop and take a moment and go, is this really working for me? But most people don't because they're on autopilot and they just go back for more. Yeah. Well, do you think people are on autopilot or, or so many of them seem to be they're afraid to be alone? Because I have friends in very dysfunctional relationships, but at least I have a husband. It's like, oh my God, is it worth it? <laughs> I mean, sadly, I see that a lot, especially in women. You know, they don't want to be alone. They are not able to financially support themselves or at least support themselves in the lifestyle they'd like to be. They, they are accustomed. You know, there might be children involved that keep them emotionally trapped you know but you know and if you take it down and i know this is going to be hard to hear there's always a choice you can choose to stay and be miserable or you can choose to move on and sometimes the choice you have to make is a really hard choice you know and you're white knuckling the chair kind of thing in making that choice yep exactly yeah, that's a tough one. And I can even attest for 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 the men that is uh, true too. Sometimes you stay in a very, very toxic relationship just for, you know, some of the, if there's children involved or, or you know, sometimes it's you're comfortably miserable, you know, um, mm-hmm. you stay in a situation like that. And I, and I did for, for many years. So, um, so I completely under that, understand that perspective. Um, so I guess in, in this work, are you, you know, offering advice on how you know, get out of that situation or is it like a, a mindset to uh, you know, kind of improve where you are mentally or how does I mean, this break it down? Yeah, it's definitely more a mindset to make you whole. You know, the relationship part is just kind of the, the end note of the whole thing because if you're whole, then you can enter in any relationship and be like, you know, either I want to be here or not. And you're honoring yourself and you're honoring your choices. You know, usually if we make a tough decision, but we're honoring ourselves, it might hurt and we might be weepy on the far end. But in time, we always recognize that we made the right decision. A hard one. Yeah, no, it certainly can be. Uh, (laughs) The dysfunctional dance of the empath and narcissist book was much more relationship focused, where the dang, it was me all along is about having a relationship with yourself. Yeah, let me ask you about the the previous book, because narcissist seems to be a term that has been getting thrown around a a lot lately. And um, so it's kind of been almost a trigger word for me lately because um you know i i spent a, a long time of my life i grew up as i was a very uh uh quiet child very shy that sort of thing um i didn't have a lot of self-esteem or confidence you know everything that i've done <laughs> if you knew me way back then you'd be very surprised as to the things that i'm doing now and it's like over time um, you know, I, I, I built up that confidence and I was told, you know, all, you know, growing up or as a younger adult, hey, you need more, you need more confidence, you need more self-esteem. Okay. Finally have that. And now it's like, okay, now I'm a, a confident person with self-esteem. And now like, you know, the narcissist word will get thrown out there. I'm like, really? Seriously? You know, how, how, so I guess that's, um, because it's a word that a lot of people use and we're broadcasting part of this on, on YouTube. I know there's a ton of videos out there right now on YouTube about narcissism, et cetera. Um, so where, where is that line drawn between somebody who is, you know, can finally, you know, become confident in themselves and somebody who is a narcissist and totally full of themselves. And there is a pretty fine line or can be a pretty fine line. Uh, people that are narcissists are very ego-driven and they're very self-driven. 
And the way that you can really tell the difference between a true narcissist and someone who's confident is that the person who's confident can take a step back and go, oh, okay, and, and have empathy. Narcissists don't have empathy in the, or the empathy they do have is for themselves. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and so people that might not, and, and I'm just going to give you as an example, but just as an example. Go ahead. <laughs> so people that don't necessarily know you might see that confidence and, and you having boundaries because people that are narcissists don't like people that have boundaries. They want people pleasers. They want people that are going to bend over and do what they want, you know, but when we're healthy and we're self-assured and we have boundaries, then we can say no. But to someone who's kind of toxic, they're going to be like, ah, they're just a narcissist, you know, because they have to, has, they have to have something mean to say to bolster their own self-image and ego. Okay. Victoria, you look like you have a question. No, I was just thinking about some people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just like, Specific mm. people came to mind. <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> A couple of years ago, um, I was laid off. I worked for a um, behemoth entertainment company and I was just laid off, boom, like that. And I thought my life was over, to be honest. And I didn't know what to do. And I finally got a job and it was a remote job and I was able to pick up and move. And so many of my friends go, you're so brave. You're moving to a town you don't know. You don't know anybody there. I'm like, well, it's going to make me happy because it's like a fresh start. So do you think there is a way to reprogram your neural pathways for happiness? Just like picking up and starting over. So this is one of the most fascinating pieces and the pieces that gave me the most hope in this research. And so a little biochemistry, sorry, but it's pretty basic. So on our cells, we have what are called receptor sites and the receptor sites act as like a lock and key mechanism. And so our body produces hormones like dopamine or cortisol or whatever. And those hormones go and either lock or unlock these receptor sites. And so if our life is filled with anxiety, if our life is filled with stress, you know, if we're, we produce a lot of cortisol or other negative stress hormones, the cells, when they reproduce, create new cells that have more receptor sites for the cortisol or whatever that hormone is. So that when something stressful happens, our body can more quickly respond to that situation, which means we're more quickly responding in a negative direction. Now, when we start working on being mindful and being more in the present moment and having gratitude and looking at life from a brighter perspective, when we create new cells, we have less of those kind of receptor sites and more of the ones that process dopamine and other higher vibration hormones so that something had happened and we could go, oh, okay. Where, you know, like a couple of years before you'd be like on the ground, having a heart attack and palpitations, you know? And so we can literally reprogram our body from the inside out. And I was like, I'm going to reprogram. I mean, and I think that, you know, and it takes time, you know, but it's not, again, hard. Yeah. And I think these last few years, we were chatting a little bit earlier today, and I was kind of half joking, like, I'm in a liminal space. I work at home. I don't know anybody in the town. I don't go anywhere. Well, there's no place to go in this town. Um, so I'm basically in my own little bubble here, and I've healed myself as much as I possibly can. I mean, I have some physical things I'm still working on, but emotionally... I'm healed as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, You're just tracking yourself. Of, what if I, uh, my little voice told me one time that the timeline I was on has gone as far as I possibly can. I, instantly I thought, oh no, it's the end of my life. No, you just jump over to the next timeline where you can go further. So can you do that with neural programming, do you think? Um, it's like what you think about, you bring about, you make yourself happy. Well, 
like by raising your vibration, you can just move right. over to where the happiness is. You know, so one of the chapters in the books talks about the law of attraction and I'm not a law of attraction expert, you know, but the precepts of it identify that if you're in a high vibration and if you're in alignment with source and if your energy is moving and flowing, then the universe is going to manifest those things that you want. You know, and so not that I'm like trying to push people on the law of attraction, but I'm like, but if it gets me a car just by doing this practice, I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy <laughs> yeah. I have a new car. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you manifest yourself a new car. There you go. <laughs> okay. I do have one other question about breathing. Um, I think it's called box breathing where you um where you breathe in for four counts, you hold it for four counts and you breathe out. Why is that so important? You know, so breathing. Okay. So let's just talk about breathing in general, you know? Okay. And so when we take a deep breath, it calms the body down. I think everyone listening has had the experience where they're going into a meeting or going to go see the boss or going into a, what they perceive as a challenging situation and they stop and maybe close their eyes and they take a nice deep breath and just like, and proceed, you know, and that's the power of the breath and the breath activates what's called the vagus nerve in the body, which is one of the largest nerves, which activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which naturally calms the body down. And so breathing and so breathing as everyone probably knows is part and parcel with every meditation and relaxation technique on the planet, because it will naturally calm the body down. And so the, the box breathing, so box breathing is when you breathe in for a certain count. So four to the count of four, you hold it, breathe in, hold it to four, breathe out to four, and hold it so you make a nice little box with your breathing okay. and one of the things that they believe is that box breathing in particular helps to regulate i mean there's activating the vagus nerve but then there's like creating this pattern and creating this flow to kind of calm everything down <clears throat> Because one of the things I've been doing recently is, I think they call it the best technique. Are you familiar with that? It's like bioengineering stress something. I've but had it, it done on me. <laughs> I haven't ever studied it, but I've had it done on me. It works. I don't, and I'm trying to figure out why does it work. Um, but that's one of the key things. Years of chiropractic went to a best practitioner chiropractor. Five visits. <clears throat> Yeah, it's so weird because she would say, think avocado seven. Okay. You know, <laughs> and hold your breath. And I don't know how it connects, but it was um it works. So I'm really interested in that now. I'll have to look that one up. Because <laughs> I'm not familiar it's, with that. So I'll have to look that one up. Bioenergetic systems testing or something like that. But um they don't do anything. There's no body adjustment or anything. She'll like touch your head and say, think, you know, happiness for. And you, you move your eyes up and then it you hold your breath and then because I have back issues and when I'd be finished, mm -hmm. my back wouldn't be hurting and I'd be walking like a normal person. So oh wow, that's knows? fascinating. And just so you she would just say or, or tell you to say a statement and then you'd repeat that and mm -hmm. internally hold my breath. Internally, okay. Well yeah. my chiropractor would like push a point on my leg or my arm and go does that hurt and it always did yeah yeah and then have you do I that and then it wouldn't hurt anymore yeah and it, it's not like a hard press you'll just like how's that like ah oh my god <laughs> how do you know <laughs> you know it's it's my arm right there you know but um I've, really that. I've had some i've had some back issues lately i might have to look into that it's i can give you the lady's number she can even do it over over the line or huh. over the internet so yep. um I, first of all, I got to tell you, I love your introduction or your dedication. <laughs> Rita dedicated the book to herself because why the hell not? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, like, I love that. <laughs> but, um, 
when you were talking about mystery date, because that is a game I played when I was a youngster back in the olden days, the bum, that was always my dream guy. And I didn't realize it until yesterday. Oh my God, that's what my husband looked like with the baggy oh shirt. <laughs> So thanks, Rita. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I just always figured I would end up with him. And, you know, and then my reflection in the book, it's like, wait, maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had fun while he was around. But, uh... So in relation to the breathing, this was more of a, uh, a statement uh, from Jen, but we're going to turn it into a question. Uh, so how can meditation help with that reprogramming? Okay, so one of the things that I talk about in the book, and this was a pivotal piece for me, you know, breathing is part of it, or a method, you know, I'm going to say it's a, a method, was the 17 second rule. And the 17 second rule was put forward by Esther Hicks, who channels Abraham. And so there's the five second rule, you know, something, piece of food falls on the floor, and you got five <laughs> seconds right. to pick it back up, five second rule. So the 17 second rule suggests that after 17 seconds, a thought will start to solidify in your brain. And then another 17 seconds and it gets stronger and there's more momentum behind it. And then it doesn't take that much time. And this one thought that you might have, negative thought that you might have, might stream off into this thought over here and this thought, and it can become this whole cascade of negative thinking, taking you to what I call the, my, you know, I used to go to my rabbit hole, which is usually a pretty deep, dark place, which is when I saw the name of the show, I'm like, ah. <laughs> it fits in with this book so much because I talk right. about the rabbit hole. Yeah. And, um, but if you catch it within the first 17 seconds, you have the best opportunity of shifting the thought and breaking the momentum. Obviously, any point in time where you're like, wow, I'm in like negative thinking is great, you know, but the sooner you can do it, the better. And so here's where the meditation part comes in or the breathing part comes in. <clears throat> so Esther Hicks suggests that you think about something good. You think about your pet, you think about a loved one. And it never worked for me, you know, because I would think about my dog, except my dog died. Then I would think about my husband, my, my husband was dead, you know, so it started out like happy and then turned into, but they're dead. <coughs> so that wasn't working. And I found that by doing something, by breathing, by meditating, it gave me something to focus on because really that's the key, giving yourself something to focus on. Because what meditation, <coughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. What meditation is, <coughs> is the ability to focus the mind on one thing. You're focused on your breathing. You're focused on keeping your mind clear. You're focused on the flame of a candle. You're focused on the imagery that someone's giving you. But that's the goal of meditation is that focus and not to be thinking about what you're cooking for dinner while you're meditating and not to be thinking about your stupid boyfriend while you're meditating. But you can do anything. You can breathe. You can do tapping. You can clean your house. You can go to the gym. You can rake the yard. You can pet your dog. Anything that's gonna give you that focus will shift the thought <clears throat> and you just have to practice it i mean that's the whole thing is i joke around because there are a lot of people that have all these tools myself included i mean i graduated from the berkeley psychic institute i have all of these tools but i would only pull them out when i was deep in my rabbit hole or there was something really bad going on versus spending the couple of seconds every day checking in on my thoughts, maybe spending a moment breathing, you know, tapping or whatever that is, and just being mindfully aware of what's going on inside of me on a regular basis versus reaching into the junk drawer and hoping one of those tools are going to work when I'm in a bad place. Can you it... explain a little bit about the, I'm sorry, about the tapping? Because um, I have found myself doing that 
unconsciously or subconsciously. Uh, and then I realized, well, what am I doing this? I don't, I don't know. I <laughs> Okay. So I'm not a tapping expert, but I like it because it gives you something to do, you know? And so, but the basis of tapping is that you are activating meridians in the body. And so by like tapping, excuse me. Is it like acupuncture? Kind of? Without a needle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, and you're actually tapping on nine of the 12 different meridians. And so you're also, you know, energizing yourself at the same time. Okay. And it gives you something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I love breathing and, you know, but so, what breathing I have, is helpful. What I have found <laughs> is that. So one of the first tapping point when you do tapping is what's called on the karate chop point, And it's right here. And oh. I have found that all I have to do is kind of put my hand and like make believe I'm going to tap that spot. And because I've been doing it on a regular basis, I can feel my body go and start to relax because now it is a automatic response in my body. Oh, cool. That's the practice part. <laughs> and breathe. Mm -hmm. I keep doing my collarbone. I don't know what's here, but. Well, you know, and that's one of the tapping points and I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I just, I'm like, yeah, it works. Kind of like that best technique. Yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. Now, when, when you meditate, is there a certain type of meditation that you do? Like there's people that practice transcendental meditation and in other forms. Is there a specific one you do? I have given up traditional meditation and have opted for cleaning my house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just bought a project house. And so I spend a lot of time and I'll say meditating there. Like yesterday, I must have pulled like a thousand screw or nails out of a wall. <laughs> you know, and I just sit there and I just focus on it, you know, and I breathe or I go to the gym, you know, and I get on the rowing machine and I just breathe versus just sitting in a chair, you know, trying to keep my thoughts in line. They, it, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me that well. I'm really out of practice from using that form. And for Americans, there are so many people that don't meditate because they don't feel like they can find that place. You yeah, know? there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in the world going on around us. And it's, it's something I've been trying to keep in, in practice with more on a daily basis now. But but yeah, you know, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, you know, things like that. You do get into a, a type of a meditative state, driving the car long distances. <laughs> That mm -hmm. happens. Just don't put yourself in too deep of a meditative state while you're driving. <laughs> we were doing, um, Rita, your friend, uh, Martha and I, <laughs> and some other people, Mike, your friend too. Yes, we were yes. Doing, I know Martha. We were doing, um, I love Martha to death. Yeah, she's so, great. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think she invited you. Um, in March, we're going to get together and we're going to try CE5 again. But we were doing Dr. Greer's meditation and I was deep in there and I was floating out in the cosmos and I was seeing stars and everything and the next thing i hear is um two or three people going <laughs> they were so deep <laughs> they fell asleep <laughs> so we're we're outside in a circle and i'm like and that instantly you know pulls you back out of the meditation so um have you done ce5 or anything like that no not at all i'm not a big outdoorsy kind of gal <laughs> we were right but outside the front door <laughs> but um it was nice. Uh, we saw some things and when it gets a little bit warmer, she said we were going to try it again. So, Well, how fun. But I am yeah. going with Martha to the International MUFON conference in Dallas. So we'll be there. Yeah, she just got her, her MUFON license or whatever, mm -hmm. certificate or whatever. So now she can investigate. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Great. Uh, and in fact, I believe it was at that same conference those years ago uh, where I first met Martha. It was the same one um, where I first met you, Rita. So Probably. Yep. Um, so question here from Sarah. Uh, 
what approaches do you recommend in dealing with and healing trauma? Buy my book. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm going to talk very specifically to that. So I grew up in a very toxic household. I've experienced a lot of trauma, even from early childhood. And I joke around because, well, I literally have a library in my house. It's an old house and there's a library in it and it's filled with books. And the years I tried fixing myself and healing the trauma. And one of the things I discovered slash decided was that I was going to stop reading all of those books because those books are all designed to make you feel broken and that there's something wrong with you and that there's something that needs to be fixed versus saying, okay, that was my history, but I'm here today. And what do I need to do today to move me forward? So this was very fascinating. So in this research, back up, you would think that psychiatrists and counselors and therapists would have the market on feeling happy and they would have all kinds of things to say about how to bring joy and happiness into your life. When you look at the scientific literature, it is crickets. There is mm. nothing. You know, they might give cursory things, you know, do some journaling, maybe go in your garden, you know, and like task oriented things, but don't really like <clears throat> talk about the psychology or the mechanism, internal mechanism of happiness, which I found fascinating. And where that material all came from was from <clears throat> religious and spiritual texts. You know, and really talking about your connection with the divine and talking about raising your vibration by being connected and being in the flow. And, you know, if you're in a state of gratitude, you can't be cranky because you're thankful. That doesn't come from mainstream science. And I'm like, okay, why not? Yeah. And so whoever that person was, you know, decide that today is the first day of the rest of your life and focus on you. Don't focus on your trauma. Focus on you and what you need to do to be happy. Fantastic. And there it is again. Dang, it was me all along. Again, I have the link down in the description to Dr. Rita's site. Um, now, I do want to bring up here because uh, we are getting in deeper into the show here. Uh, you do have a live stream on Thursday. So tell us what happens during these live streams. Sure. So it's called Thursday Night Live with Dr. Rita Louise. And um, in the first 15 minutes, I pick a topic that I'll talk about. So last week was meditation, except I didn't turn the mute button off. So it was 15 minutes of me. So this Oops. week is going to be 15 minutes of meditation. And you ever know, like no, you have that was, to... that was your secret lip reading lesson. That's right. Well, there was someone <laughs> in the chat room, apparently that was like trying to tell people what I was saying. Um, but have you ever noticed that like when the mute's on, it's like your best show and you're right. like, you have the best energy and you're like, yeah. Oh, Oops. Yeah. so anyway, um, so it's about 15 minutes. And then, so it streams on Facebook, YouTube, and then Rumble. And so if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can actually go into the chat and ask questions, get little mini readings on air and kind of hang out and have a good time. You know, and the only thing is I don't talk about dead people, you know, so if you ask about dead people, I'll make a joke at you and move on. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of readings are, are we getting here about, about our lives or, um, you know, so people ask questions, you know, like I'm looking at getting this new job, you know, or I interviewed for this job, you know, what are you noticing? Or, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm having a relationship issue or, you know, I want to do this, but I'm feeling stuck, you know, so pretty much anything, just not just dead people. Okay. Just not dead people. And what time was that again? Uh, 7 p.m. Central. 7 p.m. Central. Great. So Thursday, night. Thursday nights. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. Um, yeah, you do have a lot of different things going on. I wanted to uh, you know, touch on this also, um, that you are, you've also been featured on Ancient Civilizations on Gaia TV. So, uh, and this is always a fascinating topic for me. I, I do, uh, I am absolutely a fan of this show. Um, so, everyone i do have a link down to guy tv down in the chat so be sure to uh, check out ancient civilizations so um you, your work covers a, a wide breadth of different topics so tell us about your uh interest in in the ancient world so i've had two loves in my life career-wise so when i was really little i wanted to be an archaeologist and then I got turned on to psychic stuff with the amazing Kreskin and kind of, well, and I learned because in eighth grade, we had to write a paper about our career, our dream career. And so my paper was archaeology is what I dig. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good plan. But what I learned in my research was that you had to have a PhD to really do anything. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I don't know about that, you know. But, but then I found psychic stuff and I like, you know, followed that along. But then in 2012, and it was interesting because the whole Mayan calendar thing really just spurred this interest. And it was like a history channel show that was talking about the Mayan prophecy. And then they made this inadvertent comment about, well, you know, in Hinduism, they have the same thing. So I watched the show over to see if they like flushed out the Hindu concept, which they did not. Hmm. So I was like, hmm, so do I need to call bull? So then I went to this whole thing about 2012, like studying that and got into the whole Hindu thing, which brought up <coughs> a story that was similar to the Noah story that came out of Hinduism. Hmm. And I was like, huh. And that started me down this rat, giant rabbit hole of looking at myth and looking at legend and looking at, you know, my second book, Stepping Out of Eden, um, about parallels in human development and culture. And so, you know, so there's always been this interest. I mean, I have a minor in art history oh. where my focus was, you know, on ancient cultures, you know, so the older, the better. Yeah, my the Renaissance. The Renaissance was very cool. Oh, Renaissance is definitely very cool. Preach into the choir. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to a museum, I mean, years ago, when I was in the middle of all of this study, and they had all these like dioramas—is that what they're called? Like yeah. you know, little figures, and they got outfits on and stuff around them, and they have different cultures. And I'm there with a date and I'm like, oh, well, you know, like New Zealand, blah, 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 blah. And you see this over here and blah, blah, blah. I had people following us around. Through the <laughs> you became the tour guide. Tour guide. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you want to recognize here? We have a $10 super chat from Tom McNicholas. Super chat superstar, Tom. That's cheap. He says, love. Blue? Yeah, I, maybe the the backlight from the computer screen. Yeah, as you get closer uh, to the computer screen. Yeah. That's why I don't lean in to read. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll now you, you need to get like a, a little light or something to shine on you to kind of eliminate that a little bit. Well, I thought with Rita here, uh, I'll just be eliminated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you need to come to HHL sometime. We have so much fun there. It's um, twice a year. I'm not going in April. Sorry. But, um, I'll be there. Weekend. Well, that's Eclipse weekend. And um, I'm hosting a, an Eclipse party in my backyard. So <laughs> how fun. Yeah, I'll be out there camping. So. Yes, same here. Uh, this is one of the prime locations for the Eclipse. And it's um, two days after my daughter's birthday. So she's coming out. We're doing the whole birthday thing. And then we're going to, uh, my parents are doing a, barbecue for the eclipse so it's gonna be a good yeah. time it's so gonna be very important eclipse happening around ish uh it's, april 8th and it's gonna be a 29 degree um here around. yeah it starts about 10 uh, i'm in path of totality so it starts at 10 a.m 
and it's going to be like for three or four minutes here, um, like around one, it's going to be completely okay. dark. But it's going to be at um, 29 degrees Aries. And whenever anything is at a, a 29 degree part in astrology, that's something big. So something big is going to happen. And it's going into Taurus. So. That would be a good thing. Big stuff happening on the planet. <laughs> Could be, uh, you know, what do you call those things? Earthquakes? <laughs> we don't have them here. <laughs> Yeah, let's not, let's not have that happen. Well, you know, and I'm just going to throw this out there kind of like a different point, you know, but one of the things that I talk about in the dang, it was me all along book is that we can pick up energy from other people. Oh, sure. inadvertently. Yeah. Well, you know, but a lot of people don't recognize that and then they don't understand why they might be feeling a certain way. You know, and I use I use COVID as an example because COVID I was sitting in a lot of fear. And when I would stop and go, well, are you okay? It's like, you have food, you know, you have a place to live, you have a ton of supplements, you've been doing other supplements, you eat right, you take care of yourself. Are you going to die? No. You know, so what's there to be afraid of? And finally, I was like, wait a minute, I'm picking up everybody else's fear and owning it for myself. You know, and there's just so much going on on the planet right now that I think people need to take that step back and go, is what's going on really me? Or is the weirdness I'm feeling because I'm responding to what's going on on the planet? Yeah, I know that a lot of people that have just disconnected themselves from the media because there's so much sensationalism and fear mongering this sort of thing in the media that they found it was just dragging them down so they completely disconnected from that so they have no idea what's going on in the world but they're happier for it that's me i, I only but, read the bbc but even if you're not watching it you still are affected because you know there's something called the law of resonance and so mm. if things are vibrating you're going to be affected by that vibration and you can choose to be in harmony with it or not. And so if there's like bad mojo vibration going on and you go into resonance with it, you're going to feel bad, even if you don't have the TV on. But that's good that you recognize it and you can start, you know, breathing and controlling and just redoing it, doing it your way. Mm -hmm. So then you'll affect somebody else to make their day better. That's like right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And they have that cascading effect. Nice. So everyone uh, get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Another question here from Sarah. Uh, can hypnotic regression suggestion be helpful in recognizing and establishing positive patterns? That's an interesting question. Um, I'm going to answer it this way. Even if you go to a hypnotherapist for a quit smoking program, you still have to listen to tapes, you know, or they, you know, if you go to an acupuncturist, they'll put like something on your ear and you have to push the thing on your ear when you want a cigarette. So there's always this practice that you have to do outside of the session space. And so you can just practice and not do the session. Because <laughs> you're going to be practicing anyway. Because you'll be doing it anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's a definite maybe. Or <laughs> I mean, I think that sometimes if we have a lot of trauma, you know, and we need to, especially if the trauma is pre-verbal and we don't have access to it, but we're finding that something happened and our body is responding and we don't understand why that doing hypnotherapy and regression work can be great because then you can understand and now change it. But if there's, if you can't figure it out, you know, on any level, then it's, it's hard to change. You know, it's just a somatic response. Yeah. That's where the best technique came in. Um, finally figuring out what was wrong with my back. It related to a certain trauma. And I was like, oh, I never would have thought of that as trauma, but it was, you know. <laughs> so now that if you work on that issue, everything else is starting to fall in place. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of people don't recognize what their trauma is. And 
you know, for some little kid, you know, they might've wanted that red bike for Christmas, but didn't get it, you know, or their friend moved away, you know, or a parent died, you know, a parent died is recognized as trauma, you know, but a friend moved away or somebody said something hurtful that from an adult perspective is like, eh, get over it. But for that child, it might've had a very deep and lasting impact that altered the course of their thinking in their life and their, their self-esteem. Yeah. Uh, can <laughs> totally relate to that. Uh, while growing up being bullied and that sort of thing, that was, that was certainly traumatic. And so those things stick with you for a long time. So yeah, can, can completely relate to that. So is but that so why you I, I'm just going to share this. So I was mm -hmm. super shy growing mm -hmm. up and people look at me and they're like, you shy. It's like, we can't get you to shut up. And it's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's true. It's a fact. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I can totally relate. Yeah. I was super, super shy a, as a kid. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's like night and day between now and, and back then, but you know, mm -hmm. it took a, it took a number of years. I don't know how, you know, your, your journey worked out, but it took me a long time to get there. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like consistency over a number of years. Yeah. But it wasn't, I got a hypnotherapy session on better. It was something that you made a decision to do and you practiced and practiced and practiced and yeah. now it's not an issue anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I relate this one story cause I talk about changing behaviors and my shyness was one of them. It was a big one, big <laughs> one. And so I had decided I didn't want to be shy anymore. And so my first task, and this sounds so bad, was to, I used to walk to work. So I had just moved to California and I worked like half a mile away and I didn't have a car. So I just walked to work and I passed a 7-Eleven and I would walk in and get a soda. And so my goal was to say hi to the clerk behind the counter before she said hi to me. Hmm. Okay. And I would stop outside and breathe and then go in and say hi in a very squeaky voice and then like rush down the aisle and have like a freaking panic attack. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, but after doing that every day and challenging myself to do that every day, it changed it. And I could just say hi and not have a panic attack. Yeah. You know, I found that, um, especially with my daughter, she would say things like, mom, I can't believe you did that. I was like, I'm not scared. And you know what? Those people are probably scared. And so they would never, you know, do whatever, say hi to a complete and total stranger. You know, you have to come out of that bubble. Um, mm -hmm. And once I realized everybody was, you know, shy, everyone was kind of scared. Um, it didn't seem so frightening anymore, if that makes sense. You know, but when you sit there and you challenge yourself to work through something like shyness or whatever, then when you have to make another choice, it becomes easier, another hard choice. You know, I mean, especially in the relationship area, it's like I can choose to be miserable. I can choose to be happy. And it's like, you know, maybe I'd rather choose to be happy. And if you've already gone down that road of, having to make those choices that seem life threatening. Um, not that it makes the choice easier, but it kind of makes it easier ish in a yeah. different kind of way. Yeah. You have more balls. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're able to take that step. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's much easier when you're a Texan. That's all I can. <laughs> but not from New York, you know, so. <laughs> ah, well, you live here now. <laughs> now. I've lived here for quite a while. Okay. <laughs> we'll let you in. Okay. I, I can't tell you if, uh, what my excuse is. I mean, I was what? I was growing up in Massachusetts at the time. So uh, it was a thing, I guess. <laughs> no, I was so, I was so bad that as a, as a younger adult, um, you know, I was like, so scared to like get on the phone with somebody like, okay, there's a problem with the phone bill. And I knew I was going to be asked like a, a series of questions on, on the phone because this happened, you know, it already happened you know, several times beforehand that you know, I'd get asked a question. I, I would totally lock up, have no idea how to respond 
And the person on the other phone is like, hello, are you still there? Um, so I started writing out like the conversation, the different directions it could go before I would get on the phone and make the call. It was insane. Um, okay. That is pretty bad. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, no, I, I, I completely understand that kind of, it, it's almost like the, the, it's like a mental lock. Mm -hmm. um, try to break out of, yeah. Well, from a more scientific point of view, you know, we have tra three traditional stress response reactions. You know, we can fight, we can beat somebody up, we can flight, which means we run away, or the third one is freeze. And freezing is like the whole deer in the headlight scenario, you know? So, for the, the people pleaser, codependent, fawner personality, you know, you ask them, what do you want for dinner? And it's the deer in the headlight thing. Cause it's like, uh, uh, whatever you want's fine, deer. <laughs> but it's the freeze response. And then if you sit there and you try to think like, well, what could we have for dinner? There's nothing. I mean, it's like your whole brain goes completely blank. Yeah. And then you feel really stupid. It's like, okay, something food's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> Soup. <laughs> you know, so, and I'm just saying that. So if you find that you hit that energy, because when I communicate with people, there are some situations that I still hit that energy and I just have to remind myself, okay, Rita, you're freezing. Yeah. So stop and breathe. And and you frost. I don't know. <laughs> so so were you a frozen Rita? I had to ask. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> you need a drum set <laughs> or a little sound effects thing. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean because it'll be like an un uncomfortable situation that will arise, and I don't know if it's like the neural pathways or whatever, but some of those old familiar feelings will start to kind of try to creep back in there a little bit and you know, push them aside and go forward. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It's well, a let me ask you, oh, sorry. Oh, yes. ask you one question about your book, something okay. you wrote in there and it was just really deep. Um, and I, I know we only have a couple of minutes, but maybe you can explain it real quickly. You wrote that um, during our most profound hurt, our most significant transitions are the ones that give us the true healing and that's where it's possible. So when we, you know, when we're in that really bad place, it's like, all we want is to feel better. All we want is for things to be different, but it also opens us up for trying new things, exploring new things, investigating new things, moving to a different city so we can have a different experience so that we can grow. You know, we're more willing to take the risk. It's like, well, what are you going to do? run me over. I already been run over and I'm laying in the street right now, you know? And so we're more willing to make those changes, you know, be open to making those changes. Cause I've tried to explain that to friends and they're like, what? I was like, I'm already at the bottom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where am I going to go? <laughs> Come back up. <laughs> Can't get any lower. Well, you know, in uh, me and Bobby McGee, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Janis Joplin, even though it's oh, a Christian song, says, you know, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And so when you're in that state of profound hurt, you have nothing else to lose. Nothing. That was my motto for many years. Crank <laughs> mm -hmm. it up. <laughs> awesome. Well, we okay. do just have a couple of minutes left here. Um, Go ahead and show the book here. Okay, dang, it was me all along. Again, the link is down in the description to Dr. Rita's website. Um, so, Rita, anything you want to, uh, any events or anything like that you have coming up here you want to point people to in the last couple of minutes that we have here? Uh, well, you know, we've been talking about Jefferson, and so History Haunts and Legends Conference is coming up April 6th, whatever the first Saturday is in April in spooky Jefferson, Texas, which is always a lot of fun. Um, in July, I'll be at the International MUFON conference in Dallas, which 
anyway. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then my live stream Thursday night live with Dr. Rita Louise, seeing how prepared I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there on YouTube and Facebook. Um, and on YouTube, it's under just energy radio, which is my old radio show. Okay. And so that's where it streams, join the fun, bring your questions, just no dead people. And we have fun. I mean, because I just have me on the show and it's just whatever. Fantastic. You never know. <laughs> All right. So those that are part of the Connected Universe portal will be going uh, over to the membership side. Uh, I know some of you are already down there because uh, I've seen chat or I've seen uh, Tom and Sarah and others that are down there in the chat that are on the membership side. So we'll see you over there in just a moment. Uh, everybody else, we will have to say goodbye. Those that are listening to the podcast version of this later, please join us every Wednesday night, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's checks.connectinguniverseportal.com. There is the uh, the YouTube live stream version of it as well. But uh, to get into the after show, of course, you need to be a member of the Connected Universe Portal. So, all right, everybody. Until next time, if time really exists. <laughs>